improv feels like I get to use my whole, not just my brain, but my being, because I'm moving in and out of characters. So I'm, I'm taking on totally different points of view. I'm uh, behaving in wildly different ways, the variety of it, the discovery of it, the, uh, and I feel completely at ease. I've done it a long time now, but I feel completely at ease not knowing what's going to happen next, partly because I'm 100% certain I'll find something. ADHD Rewired, episode 112. This is the show designed to help those of us who have really good intentions and a slightly wandering attention. My name is Eric Tivers. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, coach, and consultant. We know that starting can be the hardest part, so let's get started. But first, let me thank our sponsors. It's time for the ADHD Rewired Calendar of Amazing Events. If you missed last week's webinar, join me this Thursday, April 21st at 10.30 a.m. Central Time for an encore presentation of high-tech and low-tech solutions to supercharge your productivity. On Monday, May 2nd at 10.30 a.m. Central Time, I'll show you mine if you show me yours. It's show and tell and get your mind out of the gutter. Ever wonder what apps someone has on their phone? Well, I'm going to share my phone with you, and I'm going to ask you to share yours with us. I'm going to show you my favorite apps. iPhone users will be able to share their phones on screen. Just one more reason I love Zoom. Friday, May 6th, Join me for a live strategy session. Bring your questions and let's have a conversation. There will be more details at ADHDrewire.com. I have to figure out those details first, but when I do, they will be there. Go to ADHDrewire.com to learn more about these events, to register for the webinars. And if you're not already on my email list, make sure you sign up so you are in the know. Go to ADHD rewired.com this podcast is brought to you by the adhd rewired coaching and accountability group don't wait for this group to sell out have the most productive summer you've ever had go to coachingrewired.com to learn more and to schedule your free 20-minute consultation with me today that's coachingrewired.com and prepare to get your adhd rewired Welcome back to another episode of ADHD Rewired. I am here in the virtual ADHD Rewired studios with Rachel Hamilton. Everybody knows Rachel Hamilton as, oh wait, that's a different guest. Rachel, introduce who you are so people know who you are. I'm curious about who this other Rachel Hamilton is that everybody knows, but I'll get to that uh, later. Uh, I'm Rachel Hamilton, and I am an improv teacher and performer and director and producer and now studio owner. And I am a member of uh, the Eric Tivers ADD Rewired coaching group. Uh, and I am a... Uh, 
I won't say proud yet, but I will say I am an acknowledged and growing ADD uh, brained person. Are you proud of other things? Yeah. Yeah, I am proud of other things. It's not that I lack pride or the capacity to feel pride. It's that uh, I'm still in the, I don't know, the word journey feels overused, but uh, I'm still in the development of really accepting my beautiful brain and getting rid of the discouragement of uh, so many years of not knowing what was up with uh, my um, difficulty with some systems that felt so obvious to other people. And so, uh, yeah, I feel like I'm in that acceptance mode. And, and, and the fact that I'm on this podcast talking about my ADD, uh, yeah, it's sort of a milestone for me. It's like, yeah, hello world. I have an ADD brain. The world appreciates you and you're, you're, we're family here, right? It's yes, we are. Thank you world. First of all, I appreciate you too world. But yeah, it does feel, uh, it does feel like family. It feels like tribe, mm-hmm. like, uh, which is one of my favorite things about the rewired group is it's like, ah, my people, we get each other. I don't need to explain my ADD to you, although I can describe it, right? Because in my experience, ADD takes so many different forms, but that base level understanding of a, this is a thing, right? Adult ADD exists. Uh, and also it's the struggle. Uh, and just to have that be um, just agreed upon and accepted and, and that part's over uh, so we can start from there. That feels like such a relief to be with my tribe. Mm. When, Rachel, did you, uh, when, when were you diagnosed? Diagnosed, uh, so I'm 46 now. I was diagnosed officially, whatever that means, probably about eight years ago. Yeah. What was going on at that point that brought you to that, that, uh, get that official diagnosis? Well, about a year prior to that, and actually I think it was a little younger. I think I was more like 36. So maybe at 35, no one's going to uh, be fact-checking the time frame, so don't worry. Yeah. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> uh, I need to be specific about that. Uh, but so my, uh, I was at Burning Man, which is a land of beautiful ADD at work. Um, and a friend of mine recreationally uh, offered me a little Ritalin. So I took some because why not? It's Burning Man. And I had this experience what Burning of, Man is just for, for if, if people have never heard of it. Oh. oh, Burning Man is a massive festival in the uh, Nevada desert. It's uh, a leave no trace gathering, which means it's a giant expanse of uh, land that is nothing. It's just wide open space until this one week in uh, late August, early September, when 65,000 people converge and make the best camping trip slash party slash uh, art uh, expression celebration um, creativity blast that I've ever been to. It's the freest place I know. And I've been 13 times now. Wow. Last year was my burn mitzvah. 
Uh, Muscle tone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Someone made me a talus and I had a, a yarmulke with feathers on it. It was very exciting. But so, um, so I was at Burning Man and I, and I uh, took a little Ritalin just for, you know, kicks. And I had this experience inside of my brain that was so, I don't even know. It was astounding. It was astonishing. It was, wait a minute, wait a minute. This feels like something that I've only heard about, which is this capacity to have linear thought. And I mean, not that I'd never had linear thought, but uh, just I felt organized in my head in a way that felt really new and really um, amazing and also really got me curious. So then I started to read everything I could about ADD and wanting to uh, take a look at it with the possibility that maybe it was something I had. And I started with Sari Solden's book, uh, Women with ADD. And that idea, like one of the major ideas in the book that spoke to me was that particularly for women, uh, this story that we're supposed to be able to do it all, to handle it all, to, uh, you know, uh, historically we're the ones doing 10 things at once. And you have to uh, make it look easy. Right. Right. So this thing that I think is quite universally ADD, which is this story before or maybe even after diagnosis of if I just tried harder, if I just put in more effort. So my story for myself had been, um, I'm just not working hard enough. And so looking through this new lens, it was, oh, I'm working like crazy. I'm actually quite exhausted. I'm just not working uh, efficiently and no amount of more effort or the answer to that is not more effort. It is something different. So before you were at, uh, at Burning Man and your friend gave you uh, the unauthorized use of a uh, controlled substance, but we'll, we'll you know, just, just want to throw back that, the side commentary that um, ADHD Rewire does not endorse that practice of unauthorized yeah. use of medication. In fact, mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons why it makes it harder for us who need the medication to actually get the medication. All of that aside, you took this medication. Yes. Yes. Were you like then, were, was this the first time you even thought about ADHD or was this? Yes. Okay. Yes, it was. So you said to your friend. It was. So why do you actually take this? Is that kind yeah. of what was going on? I mean, sort of. I, yeah. It, it. I didn't really uh, get into it too much with my friend, but I, like I said, I started my own investigation and then started just understanding that some of the stuff that I was struggling with uh, was quite universal. And then a year and a half later, I was uh, at home uh, with my family over Thanksgiving and I snuck out during Thanksgiving weekend to the Amen clinic and got a spec test because I wanted to see uh you know, I, I was really struggling with this idea, uh, and I, this is something I still struggle with, but less, thank goodness, of, you know, am I, am I, is, is having ADD sort of a cheater's response to not being able to get your stuff together, right? Like, uh, so I, I really was hard on myself about, uh, if I really have this, I better prove it in a thousand ways. And 
So I went to the Emmett clinic, I got a spec test, you know, there's a lot of controversy over whether or not that's uh, the way to go, but whatever the case, the people there were great. And I, uh, I felt like they were very, you know, wise professional people. And I remember the, the doctor, not Eamon himself, but one of his peeps, uh, reading my, I guess, yes. Reading my results. And he said, well, it's not a total train wreck, but and I was like, that's a way to start a sentence. He said, it's a total train wreck, but you do have a, uh, he said, wicked case of ADD. And from that point, I got somehow personally sanctioned to then uh, get myself on some meds and, mm-hmm. you know, see a doctor and, and uh, somehow I'd like earned my own permission to actually claim this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and since then I've been, you know, I continue to track it down. I do as much reading about ADD as possible. And it's, um, it seems to me 100% that I have this, the, the struggles of ADD are my struggles. And here's what's so interesting. I think about, about all areas of, of mental health is that we, you know, people want like to be told whether or not they're pregnant or not, you know, because that's, it's either you're is or you're not. It's not like you're kind of pregnant. That that doesn't actually occur. And I tell people that, you know, we diagnose based on very powerful statistical probabilities, right? Using the power of statistics. And I don't think I could have truly understood that myself on what that actually means until I you know took a research course in grad school and understood like that's actually it's that is a pretty good way to do it it's not the best way it is but that is the the state of the art and if we're looking at statistics and probabilities and looking at the likelihoods of you know when certain factors are met that we have a a percentage or a likelihood of a a positive uh, uh, um, diagnosis and we look at things like the the spec scans, you know, it's like, it's this desire to have this absolute, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, the, and the reason it's controversial is the science does not show, there's too many false positives in it, mm-hmm. where if you look at the, the mm-hmm. DSM criteria, um, it's probably the other way around where we're missing a lot of people who, who are struggling with ADHD, um, who, because they're one, you know, uh, uh, criterium short of that diagnosis um, mm-hmm. that they might not be getting the the help that, that they actually need. So, and I think the idea mm-hmm. of being able to diagnose based on a brain scan, I think is, it's a great idea. I think that we will, we will be there in our lifetime. I, I, I believe mm-hmm. that. Um, but I, I just, I, the thing that, that makes me uneasy about uh, just about Eamon's work is that, you know, he's, it's, this science isn't as strong as what he would like to to claim that that it is. And yeah. I'm glad that you had a positive yeah. experience with it. And I don't want to take any of that away for you. And I, I think it's great that that allowed you to move forward um, yeah. with it. Um, yeah, it's, it's these hard conversations. It's it's to say that you know to the when I'm working with with a, a therapy client and I say to them, you know, it's like you you know based on everything you've shared with me, based on this criteria, it looks like you know you that you have ADHD and you know, they'll say, well, does that mean that I do have ADHD? And I'll say, well, right. it, it looks like it. 
And right. we talk about how, like, I can't, like, I cannot tell you with 100% certainty that you have ADHD, right? Just like I can't say to you that with 100% certainty that I have ADHD, but I'm pretty darn sure. Right. 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 And it's so, it is, it is like, um, to me, it really felt like what that test gave me was this, uh, permission to move through like to, to open the door of it and this idea of i don't get to trust my own experience i have to wait for some kind of outside um you know permission slash sanctioning of of what it feels like to be me right it's it feels almost very add in and of itself this idea of like i don't trust my own uh, experiences sometimes mm -hmm. because I have so many experiences of dropping balls or being inaccurate about things or going down the wrong path or, uh, you know, that, that I, I, I have this plaque is what I call it. This, this ADD plaque of, uh, years of discouragement or, you know, stopping and starting or losing track of things or so, so that, my experience of, oh, I, I meet all these criteria. Uh, you know, yes, I have, uh, you know, according to this checklist, as you say, I have what presents is what we call ADD, but I still needed some sort of external sanctioning because uh, I don't trust myself often. Mm -hmm. And part yeah. of that, a good diagnosis too, is, is getting other people who know you well to also, uh, um, mm -hmm. you know, fill out some of those kind of rating scales because it's, you know, that, that self-awareness piece and how we see ourselves mm -hmm. isn't uh, always accurate. And it's not that we're, I mean, it's interesting because I know that Russell Barkley talks about how self-awareness is actually an executive function. And I remember when I read that, I was like, oh, that oh. makes so much sense because how wow. can, yeah, how, how can we modify, adjust, plan what we need to do based on past stuff if we're not aware of what we're actually doing oh yeah oh that's interesting self-awareness is executive functioning uh it's also uh for me part of what i love about the group the rewired group is that there's no doubt about it like i'm in that room with 11 other people that zoom room and i see myself all over those people and uh, there's no doubt, like there's no, people are, and I just said, I see myself all over them, but I'm going to now, uh, make this about them. And, uh, I guess be patting myself on the back at the same time. People are freaking creative and multi-talented and wildly enthusiastic, really warm, really funny, really like high EQ, high sensitivity. I mean, the, the, so when I go into uh, that's that feels to me like the most validating thing is to be surrounded by other people who define as ADD and I feel that the recognition and the connection in a very uh, visceral way. So when it gets out of my cognitive of like, mm -hmm. am I, do I, don't I, it gets out of my moral weight of like, am I a bad person for having this? Am I a cheater? But when I actually get into my you know, sensed experience of, of, you know, of being with other people who are also ADD. I'm like, yep, 100%. Yes. 
it's it's so interesting too because I, I hear this like so frequently and and it's I think that people are often surprised by how much their the the emotions are kind of play such a big role in in this work yeah. that we're doing. You know, it's you know people want to come in to be more productive and, and I certainly hope that that is the the uh, one of the outcomes. Um, but I also know that there's much greater outcomes than just uh, better productivity. So what's that experience well, yeah. been like for you? Well, I would say that I think what interrupts my productivity most of all is my emotions. So to me, they're not even separate. It's that um, this plaque I'm talking about. So I'm trying to say I'm trying to do something that um, I've tried and failed at before, like you know, create a new system for uh, tracking my bills. And the minute it goes slightly wrong, it's like I, I get uh, triggered or I get this, this wave of all the times it's gone wrong in the past. And I can go from, you know, zero to 60 in the discouraged department real quick. Like, uh, so I go to discouragement really quickly. I go to frustration really quickly. And, uh, you know, before I would say that could often spiral into, you know, not being able to get the printer to work spiraled quickly into, I don't know how to lead my life. I will never get anywhere. Right. It's like, so like the emotional holes I think of uh, was it Yellow Submarine with the sea of holes? Uh-huh. I love where, that like, movie, by the way. Literally, like just <laughs> like walking along, and then I'm good to go, and then I can just easily descend and spiral into uh, an emotional hole that will take a tremendous amount of energy and effort to crawl out of. You know, uh, the 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 growth, the change for me is having that process of climbing out being shorter, and even seeing it coming, so I can. Uh, often warded off at all these days, but um, yeah, the emotional energy expenditure uh, and how hard it is to then reinvigorate, right? To continually reinvigorate, you know, my, uh, you know, to get back on the horse of the project um, if I have successfully even remembered where the project is at that point. So just a lot of incompletes in my wake. Um, and I think a lot of that having to do with um, emotional states. Mm-hmm. So that to me is actually the core work. It's um, the, the my key to productivity is to uh, more and more move out of shame and move into acceptance and, and celebration. Because the other part of this uh, you know, so the other part of my story is that I did not have a rough go of it. You know, my I grew up in Washington, D.C., and I um, went to uh, public school, the local public, uh, through sixth grade. And I was, you know, a gregarious, extroverted, you know, funny, friendly kid. And I found drama. I started to do theater in elementary school. And the academic rigor of class was minimal you know it was a sweet local school where we're doing black history month and so let's all make puppets of harriet tubman for a week you know it was super low challenge super homey uh it was it was just my my 
my brain worked just fine there for what exactly, you know, we got to do skits in the afternoon that we could write and it was super fun and easy. And then I went to uh, the fancy private school for seventh grade and I realized something had changed. I remember being it's about a month into seventh grade and I was in history class with Mr. Rosenberg. And I remember that we had been studying Charlemagne and I was uh, super into Magna Carta and I got it and I was psyched. And then he called on me and he asked me a question about something that came next. Like we had, we had moved on into the next chapter of, you know, English history. And I was astounded. I was like, wait a minute, we're, we're, we're moving. And that kept happening, right? The capacity to keep up with what happened next and what happened next. That was a major learning curve for me in seventh and eighth grade that I only somewhat got better at. Um, but it was a small school. And uh, I think because, you know, I always got, we got effort grades at my school and I'd often get like C plus for the class, but five out of five for the effort. So my trying was, was seen and appreciated. Uh, and then the fact that I had uh, this other thing that I did, which was drama, you know, that was always my thing. It kind of gave me this not quite academic out, but since I was shining in the drama world, it gave me a pass, I would say, or at least a, uh, you know, gave me a, a lens that I was successful through so that my inconsistencies in my academics uh, were less um, less obvious and also weren't the focus. And I remember I had a teacher, Mr. Klain, RIP, he died this year. Uh, Mr. Klain, who was uh, a really great history teacher. And I remember in 10th grade, he started to call me by a new nickname, which was Toast Mind, because he said it would pop in and out of focus. And he said, when I was really in focus, you know, I was so present. And then he said, and then I would just go away. And I think, I think Mr. Klain is officially the first person who saw my ADD, you know, 20 plus years before I saw it. Uh, it's, it's so, so interesting. And that's one of the, the interesting yeah. things about when I, when I do uh, uh, assessment is to, to look back at somebody's history and, and find those mm -hmm. kinds of stories. Cause it's, I mean, I remember looking back, I, I think I was, uh, um, had just graduated from, from college and I came across my uh, educational files from, from like kindergarten on and I'm looking yeah. at it and I'm just like, it was all right there. Why yeah. didn't anyone know? You know, it's like, and why, and they didn't know, right? Because nobody knew, right? Right. Because you know, I also I wasn't really, I, I, I was maybe slightly impulsive, but not really hyperactive. Um, uh -huh. So I was more the the sluggish, dreamy, spaced out kid. You know, where it's like yeah. I, I wasn't getting in trouble. I wasn't like a bad like kid. I wasn't hurting people or things. You know, but it was you know the things like well is uh, does well when he applies himself. Uh, if we put a little bit more effort, um, you know. Uh, homework is uh is uh sloppy but when he slows down can do a nice job it's it's all like for years and wow. years those were the comments right yeah i yes 
my, I have a similar stack and from early childhood, Rachel needs to share less with her neighbor. <laughs> <Rachel's>, <laughs> Rachel needs to stop the crosstalk. We love Rachel's enthusiasm and sometimes she's distracting to the classroom, right? Sort of class clown. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but I guess I, I guess I've made sense of that by, it just didn't seem like anyone was talking about ADD, even for kids when I was that age. Right. Especially and now I especially see these girls. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And also because I was in drama and mm-hmm. because that meant, you know, my, I was given this space to be louder or, you know, uh, more of a attention getter or, you know, and I was charming. It worked like it, it, so it, it didn't cause me much pain until uh, until I guess probably my late 20s when things just felt uh, like my capacity to keep track of my business at that point, which was, you know, the business of uh, trying to be an actor in Chicago and then L.A., where I just couldn't get traction or consistency the way my friends could. And I know that, um, that you know, doing anything in the creative arts where really that's your profession, it's, that's a lot of work. It's not just, oh, I'm this talented person and someone's going to find me, right? It's like you got to hustle, right? Right. right. Yeah. And there's systems, you know, you, and, and the systems are all your own, right? So like you had the audition and then you got to, you know, write to the casting director to say thank you for the audition. And then you got to submit for the next audition and be sure that you're headshots are up to date and you're, you know, and I was, um, I remember I was on stage at second city in Chicago and I was doing my first main stage show and it was, so it was really high stakes for me. Yeah. It's what I'd been really shooting for. And my mom was in town to see the show and I had to be there at seven for call and I left late. So I was already running late. Uh, and I got pulled over because I didn't have a, a rear, brake light, which I'd been meaning to fix forever. Uh, And then the officer uh, looked at my license and it was expired and I had no idea. Oh, no. So I have to go to the police station. You know, the show's curtains at 830. It's now 745. I'm still at the police station trying to talk my way out. And (sighs) And of course, I wasn't completely tied on my lines either. So I was going to cram and place strategic scripts backstage so I could look at them right before. I, I mean, it was the whole thing was just this very, it was a house of cards and uh, it was falling all around me. So I arrived 10 minutes before curtain. Uh, the rest of the cast is waiting for me, annoyed, you know, uh, worried. Um, so I'm arriving in this way of super stressed and I pulled it off because that's what I do. And, uh, and that's a really like I I pulled it off, but I could have been way, way, way better, way better. So I've done I did a lot of pulling things off, but not at uh, my you know top performance uh, because I just didn't have my ducks in a row. Mm. I just yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Just imagining, you know, it's you have this great opportunity to main stage Second City, which is, I mean, that's like the place for improv, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, you're pulled over. 
didn't even realize your tail light or you knew your tail light was out, but you were planning on you. You had good intentions as, as we all do. Mm-hmm. You didn't even realize your license was expired. It was mm-hmm. like everything that could go wrong went wrong at yeah. the worst possible time. <laughs> and all preventable. You know, that's the, yeah. yeah. In terms of the um, discouragement plaque, I would say a primary place for me that really kills me every time is when I try really hard at something and it doesn't end up going well. Uh, but then there's a the flip side, which is that, story of getting uh, pulled over, which is, I didn't, I wasn't trying, you know, I didn't leave on time. I didn't try my best to get my taillight fixed. I didn't, you know, so, so there's like the sloppy mistake and there's the trying my damnedest to be not sloppy mistake. And they're what, both painful, but yeah. When this was all happening when you're kind of in the, the, the beginnings of like stuff's not really going the way you want it to be going. Did you have that tendency to blame others or were you uh, looking at this as your own kind of, uh, like, oh, I screwed up again. Or this is, I can't believe this happened. I can't believe I got pulled over. I can't. Yeah. How, how are you looking huh. at it? It's an interesting question. Um, I feel like there was so much of that of like, oops, I didn't pay my taxes. Oops what I'm supposed to get oil changes, like so much of that going on, you know, that I almost just skimmed the surface and didn't really, I didn't, I didn't really blame. And I didn't really absorb at that point. I just left that mess and went to the next life was moving so quickly. um, No more quick. Like there was just so many, um, uh, you know, uh, dust ups in a given day or a week or a, uh, that I, I didn't really stop and, and dwell on them or not even dwell, even be with them. So part of my ADD uh, experience was that I used to move really fast, like stacking stuff, like, sure, I'll come to your birthday party across the country. Yeah, I'll fly to New Jersey to do that for two days. And then I'm going to fly back on a Sunday and I arrive at six and I have a show at eight and I'll do that. And then I'm going to a party after that. And the next morning I'm going, you know, I'm leading a workshop for three days that I haven't prepared for at all. But then on Wednesday, I have a friend coming in like just that again and again and again, like over-programming, but not even realizing that I was over-programming quite so much. Like now that's very painful to me. Because I realize that I can't successfully integrate, uh, and that's a major thing I'm still learning, is how much time between activities, because my brain moves really, really quickly. So my brain can be on to the next thing and, you know, enjoys planning, enjoys being, uh, there's fertile ground for all these uh, exciting things. And then I'll find myself spun out and somewhat exhausted and go, oh, right, Maybe that's because I was at the Oscars on Monday night and now I'm deep in the woods at a camping trip for which I didn't pack on Tuesday morning. Like that kind of thing. (laughs) It's like just crazy, crazy schedule. So I didn't, I don't think I had a lot of blame because I don't think I had a lot of acknowledgement. It sounds like there wasn't even enough uh, time to kind of pause and say, you know, maybe what I'm doing isn't working. It was just like, this doesn't work at next thing. This doesn't work at next thing. Yeah. Yeah. It really came to pass. So after L.A., uh, 
I moved to New York Mm -hmm. and New York is somewhere I'd always wanted to be. And I loved New York. Uh, I lived there for seven years and New York is so fast like that, right? That New York's pace as a city, um, its own energy is so spinny like that, that the combo platter of me living like that in my head and in my schedule and then New York doing that too. It's like, it came to this head of, Mm. of just, I finally got really dizzy. There was so much spin that I was like, Oh, okay. This can't, I feel out of sorts a lot. I feel, you know, this, like I started to catch up to me, this chronic feeling of being behind and there's too much. And when can I breathe? And so it started to, to affect me, I think, uh, like in my early 30s, where I'd slowed down long enough to really feel it. So then what'd you do? Sat in the fetal position and cried. No, that's not true. What did I do? Um, I. That wasn't until late 30s. The fetal right, position. that wasn't until late right. 30s. Right. What did I do? <laughs> I mean, I definitely, so so again, in the in the, Trying to get once my uh, vision became bigger of what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's also when I met a lot of my own um, limitations or inabilities to to get things done that mattered to me. Um, so the kind of jerry rigging or uh, like the, the 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 small mistakes or the the lack of systems, I would say started to really catch up with me. And so there was definitely a period of kind of spinning my wheels of like trying to get things started, but uh, you know, uh, I missed the deadline or I dropped the ball or I jumped projects, you know, after having started one, cause that one found, was less interesting. And so, uh, and it was also tricky because uh, I was married at the time and my husband was uh he was at his dream job at Saturday night live and he was just rocking it. Uh, like just progressing sort of step after step, just doing the due diligence and just getting farther and farther down the path that he wanted to be on. Uh, and I wasn't getting the same kind of traction or consistency. It's like, I wasn't quite able to build because, Mm. uh, I wouldn't do the next step. I'd do a different step or I'd, you know, uh, disrupt the whole situation by going to India for two months and coming back. Like it's just like constantly restarting and not following through or uh, so that's, I'd say that my early thirties, it was quite uh, started to get painful. And so what did I do? I spun my wheels and uh, tried a lot of stuff, some of which worked and some of which didn't. Uh, and so part, you know, that enter that, that, Ritalin experience enter uh, where it was man. like, oh, oh, what'd say? Enter, enter Burning, burning, burning I'd already Man. Been, right. Yes. I'd already been to Burning Man about enter five the, times the, by or, that. What'd you call it? The, uh, the Burning Man Mitzvah? The, the, <laughs> the Burn Mitzvah. The Burn Mitzvah. The burn mitzvah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 13 years at Burning Man. Uh, yeah. And that's, I mean, so environmentally, right. So my, my, my main gig now is I'm an improviser. So improv is chalk a block full of people with ADD brains, right? In the most creative, beautiful, like can move from, uh, you know, uh, improv, our brains are quick and uh, able to, you know, facile, able to move between worlds really quickly. And that's, um, 
This is what we train in mm-hmm. and to be able to, to drop something and move quickly to the next thing. That's exactly uh, what we need to be able to do. Mm-hmm. So I was in these environments where uh, so much of what my brain does was not only not a liability, it was an asset. Uh, and similarly, I mean, just to bring it back to Burning Man, Burning Man, as I said, it's one bit, it's, it's an ADD explosion and ADD being a creative brain, right? It's, it's um, people whose lack of executive functioning uh, allowed them to build a 25 foot fire breathing rhinoceros that year, instead of, you know, whatever, doing what they're supposed to be doing, like being the corporate lawyer. So uh, I had a lot of experience of, of, of how my brain worked being, uh, being an asset. Yeah. But then it's when I was trying to build uh, a bigger vision, a bigger consistency, and then also not, not feeling comfortable asking for help. So I was trying to do it all myself, mm-hmm. still struggle with that. Some trying to do it all myself and, and failing. Uh, yeah. And you know what, what I'm hearing too, is uh, I was kind of thinking about where, where my strengths and my challenges are. And I think all the things that make me a good coach and therapist and, and speaker, um, you know, so those, that's the craft, right. But it's like, I'm in the business of doing those things. And so the, for mm-hmm. me, and I've, I've talked a bit about this on the podcast before that, and I've shared this in, in the coaching group as well, is that this is for me the year of really focusing on both systems, real system development up on the business and looking at the the real details of, you know, my, my balance sheets and the the stuff that mm. you kind of go like, ew, you're right. It's like, it's like yeah. let's yeah, yeah, else yeah. do that. Like that's, that's, and it would have, and it, where yeah. I'm at now is if I want to continue to, to grow what I'm doing, I, I know that I need help. And, you yeah. know, and I've been hiring a little bit of help here and there. And as I'm getting a taste of what I could do with a little bit of help, I want, mm. I want a whole platter of help. Right. But I can't, yeah. I don't know if I can afford that whole platter of help. So now I'm like, I'm not just going to impulsively, I'll just hire a bunch of people and hope for the best. Like that's that I can't do yeah. that. If I, you know, I'm, I support my family. I support, you know, it's, it's. So if I, if I'm, you know, quote unquote, investing in my business, I have to really make sure it's an actual investment and not just throwing money and hoping it sticks in the right place. And I think it's a lot of, you know, I've certainly have done that (laughs) before. Um, So it's really looking at, all right, so we have this craft, we have this, this talent that we have. What are the, how do we build the structures and supports around it? So we can really perform at, at our peak capacity. Is it uh, is it uh, driven to distraction? Where I'm not sure which book it is, but that the CEO of uh, JetBlue gets profiled, yes. uh, and it I that that segment of that book, there's something so like I long for that. I love the idea of here's this CEO who's obviously incredibly gifted and has so much to offer and he's created systems where, or systems have been created around him Mm -hmm. uh, where he can be exactly as, you know, whatever frazzle brained or lack follow through or uh, you know, but as he needs to be and he can 
run or, you know, vision this incredible uh, business that feels really innovative. I think think the story that that was in that book was how they, when the the business went public, right. And he made like a gajillion dollars like overnight. And, uh, you know, he called uh, um, uh, Hallowell, who was his uh, psychiatrist at the time. And he still felt like a failure. Oh, is that, is that, is that, part of what you're referring to or is that another part of it no no what so, actually I what i know remember. the story turned out that way no it changes everything <laughs> <laughs> wow well i mean i wonder if feeling I feel like, like I a failure told you that santa claus doesn't exist <laughs> wait what but i feel like i just told you like that santa claus doesn't exist like you had this like wait what do you mean what do you mean he doesn't exist <laughs> Are you suggesting um, that the big red man with the suit and the toys is not? Oh my god, I gotta go. No, um, the uh, hey Rachel, we're Jewish. The part of this <laughs> ish, ish for me. Seriously, totally. <laughs> uh, my um, the part of the story that resonates with me is that he had this uh, errand to do to like call the arborist. Yes. the tree in front of his family home and he had it on his list and he you know there were like five <laughs> indicators that he was going to do it he was certain he was going to do it he was all about it he took the uh, whoever was writing the segment out and like discussed it and then when the guy comes back like six months later to talk to the ceo again the arborist has still not been called and something about that juxtaposition of the tiny task of you know, uh, those things that, that people in my, in my life or in my own head can say things like, well, why don't you just, (laughs) why don't you just, (laughs) it's the worst or in a helpful way. It's like, well, you could just like the, those words, my, I, I, I get defended and sad instantly. (laughs) You could just call the arborist during your lunch break. Right. So it seems like a tiny little easy thing to do. Emphasis on seams. Right. Part of myself that says uh, it should be. That is obviously a tiny, easy thing to do. That part he can't get done. But what he can do is run this incredibly profitable business, you know, with all kinds of new uh, ideas uh, that JetBlue brought into the, uh, you know, airline game. So the idea of that being able to coexist because if I'm judging myself, which I often have been uh, historically on like, oh my God, I, that letter that I stamped that was on time, but now I found it at the ban- bottom of my bag, you know, three weeks later and it's covered in gum. Uh, and uh, I can go into that spiral of, I can't live my life. I have nothing, you know, my, my gifts will never be uh available i'll never be able to get them to the world because i can't mail a letter but actually i you know the fact that i can't mail a letter on time uh does not mean that i cannot run a a business offering you know improv to to the world in the way that i want to offer it so that's what i love about that story no and it's and there's so many stories like that too uh you know, just like they were capable of these amazing things, and yet these things that that you know we if we compare our if we, you know we compare ourselves to what other people say we should be able to do, or if we just do that. I mean, you know, things like for me, like returning a phone call, it's like 
that's a hard task for me. Like that is that is never. I know a, me too. That is never a just return the call. Like I have to like I psych myself up to do it. I put it like it's like the one thing I got I got to do today is just return this call. And even the just just slipped out totally unconsciously. Right. So it's like I know you know what I mean. And it's like but yeah, that's and I, I think it's just so important that we honor the things that are challenging for us. And I think yeah. Part of it too is how do we get into our emotional why? And that takes a lot of struggle. How do we how do we connect something that's you know is a just a task to something that's mm-hmm. more connected to our greater vision and purpose? Because I think mm-hmm. when we could do that, then we find the context for that task and it takes a different kind of role and meaning uh in, in our mm-hmm. lives. Yeah. Yeah. And the phone call one, that's super, I mean, for me, even in high school, like I remember the phone, not digging the phone. Like I didn't, I didn't want to be on it, which felt unusual in high school. Uh, and I've always been uh, resistant to, like, I'm bad at returning phone calls. I, I don't want to make the phone call to the whatever, you know, the internet provider or God forbid the health insurance claims department. That's the worst. (laughs) It's the worst. It's the worst. So I can go into this, this place where I go, what is that? What is that? And in our group recently, uh, someone pointed out that for him, it's shame, Uh, which I think uh, that, that rang a bell. I'm still playing with like why that is. So I still have this part of myself. That's like, what the hell is that? What is that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and now there is some sort of small satisfaction in the fact that the world that we live in right now feels so phone averse. Now phone has become uh, you know, like, why would you call me? You should just text me. Why don't be ridiculous. Like kids don't talk on the phone anymore. So all of a sudden I feel uh, oddly accompanied now in a way I used to be quite alone in my phone distaste I, i've but recently now- I, i've recently updated my my voicemail message and this is for my my business where i actually yeah. now say please do not leave me a message go yeah. to my website and schedule yeah. a call because for me if it is on my calendar it will happen and 99% of the time, it will actually happen right on time. Today's call, which started 15 minutes late, is absolutely an exception, Rachel. Uh, because... Please, I was delighted. <laughs> yes. 15 minutes late always works for me. Always. No, because yeah. it's... And, and then I can also... I have it in front of me what the purpose of this call is. It has a, a designated time frame. It has parameters. It has notes. Yeah. It's, you know, and for... And I, I've been looking for ways to, to where someone can actually dial into a system that can then just put it onto my calendar versus having uh-huh, to take uh-huh. that extra step. Because it's like, you know, I don't want to lose a, a potential client because they, you know, intended on going to my website um, and scheduling right. that call. Um, right. But it's just like I that, that feeling of and I've, I've done it more times than I care to admit where it's like I have that call that I never returned. And I think yeah. about it and it just, it's soul sucking, you know, it's just like, it is soul ugh. sucking. It's soul sucking. And at, so as you're explaining it, it's true. Like there's something about, you know, I want it on my terms. I want my notes. I want my, which is a funny place for me where my ADD meets 
I call it OCD, but it's not even that. But like, I think part of, so I have a, a dear friend who is a hot mess in terms of the way that she lives, right? I go to her house and there's just piles on top of piles and 900 mismatched things on the coffee table that you have to scooch over to, you know, have your dinner plate on there. And the glorious thing about it is she doesn't care. It does not bother her. And I'm filled with envy of that. And it's also that that I realized that not only do I want my spaces, like when my spaces are not clean or not organized, I want them organized, not just mildly. I want them labeled and specified and, you know, uh, put into compartments that are, are super like a Japanese bento box of, of just perfection. And so the distance between how I actually live and my ideal is the painful part, right? Whereas my friend, I mean, she's like, yeah, sorry, it's must, you know, uh, like she's mildly bothered. But that place where my, 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 yeah. I remember when uh, it's one of our our coaching sessions where you're like talking about how like your kitchen counter is driving you nuts. And and so we're like, (laughs) All right, let's 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 see it. How bad is it? Yeah. And you like you showed us. Uh, you pointed your your camera on it, and we we're all like, Rachel, that would be, that I would be happy with if that was you know. And so it was just so funny yeah. that, that the perspective that that all of this this stuff takes. I'm looking at my counter sure. my, at my desk right now. Yeah. There's certainly um more. Th- I can't really see most of the surface area of my desk at the moment. Um, just, just saying, <laughs> you know, but I have a, I have a new client today and what it's going to do. That's going to allow that magic to happen in my brain or the thing that yeah. I think will take me an hour to do. Actually, I can get yeah. done five minutes because I don't want a new client to come into my office with, with a messy desk. Right. But of course you're an ADD coach. So they know <laughs> Right, but I like, like to play, I the, I like to play the game it. where it's like it's why I have to invite people over to my home. It's like an excuse to clean up. Yeah, because otherwise, <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. So yep. let's, let's improvise a little bit because I'm looking at my timer and I just have this thought of okay, I never cut to the commercial break. So we're gonna improvise and um, so Rachel, you've been part of this coaching group. We are now in the middle of week eight. Give yeah, give people the 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 the, the honest plug. Of like okay. why someone would want to sign up for this coaching group, uh, kind of relating it to your experience. Okay. The honest plug. I, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 9 a.m., because I live in California, uh, I get to sign into a room where I get to be with my tribe, with... 11 other participants and Eric and I'd show up. It's a total come as you are party, right? It really, it, there's no, unlike so many other experiences I have, I don't need to uh, explain why I'm two minutes late. I don't need to justify why I don't have mascara on. I feel just completely comfortable. That's it. Like I'm with people who get it. Uh and the it being that I am uh, sometimes super together and sometimes kind of a hot mess and that my value or my worthiness doesn't uh, depend on that. So it feels like this really safe space filled with comrades, all of whom, as I mentioned before, are 
incredibly multi-talented, really interesting, funny, warm, supportive, and they get it. So uh, I love the goal setting because it allows me to track what it is that I'm doing and uh, many techniques and tips about, uh, you know, how uh, systems to use and uh, keeping me honest with what I'm actually doing or not doing. And often I'm not doing the goal, but that in and of itself is interesting because it's, it's why didn't I do the goal? Right. So for me, actually, I'm still working on how to set goals for myself in a way that feels um, like they capture my attention and and my uh, commitment. So then on Wednesdays, we do a study hall, which I love, which is turning on the zoom room and doing the task that we said that we would do. And I love uh, having you, Eric chime in every now and then and be like, are you doing what you said you'd be doing? If not, please bring your attention back to what you said you'd be doing. And it's, it's like the, the, the best uh, kind of hand holding. Uh, and it really, really helps. So I'm, I'm learning, right? By practicing staying consistent, by practicing accountability, by practicing showing up, uh, practicing consistency. It feels um, like I'm getting skills, uh, like the metadata of getting the skills of getting the skills. And then on other, every other Wednesday, we do a mastermind where people uh, bring in any challenge that they're having uh, in their own lives. And then the others, uh, we all circle and say, uh, you know, we reflect, this is what I'm seeing. This is what I'm hearing. And then we, um, offer ideas and here's who you want ideas from really bright, cool ADD people because they're creative. They get it. They've had to do a thousand workarounds themselves. Uh, it's never boring. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's, fertility it's it's fertile for my brain i go oh look look at all these other ways of doing things it reminds me that i can do things other ways too and that there is support for me in the world uh and then fridays we often do gratitudes and i feel like staying in my gratitude uh is one of the key key skills for my uh my own happiness my own well-being and 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 curbing some of that emotional volatility i was talking about and so i just I like i'm excited about it I'm excited about it every time and I haven't missed one. That's amazing. You know, I, yeah. have, I do have to say that these are the two sessions that, that we're going right now, that the attendance overall has been like so high in compared to past groups um, mm. that, you know, it seems like each group it's been like the, the, and it's maybe it's, you know, little changes that I have, have made in the group and, um, because I think it was my, my my first or second group where, um, you know, the, I think there was maybe seven people who would consistently show up. Like it began with 12, you know, and then it was mm-hmm. like, you know, week mm-hmm. four, it was like, we have nine, week six, it was like five, you know, it's like, and yeah. people are just, the, keep showing up. And that just, it's, yeah. you know, it's, I don't know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, it's uh, it's a gratifying thing just to see and I was, I was talking with yeah. someone uh, from from our group uh, uh, yesterday and they were kind of sharing with me a little bit that they were sort of like they sort of feel themselves like checking out a little bit and I'm like but here's the awesome thing you're feeling like checking out a little bit and you're 
you're still here. And the, the, the group mm-hmm. is designed to be 10 weeks because I know we can really muscle through staying focused for six weeks. We can really do that, mm. right? It's when we're getting mm-hmm. into week seven, week eight, or that's where we're at right now, where we're like, okay, like the, the real work is now happening, right? It's like, this is no longer new and shiny. Like, this is mm-hmm. like, how do I live my life in a, a way that, that honors who I am as a person, that doesn't beat myself up, that lo- mm-hmm. like, is continuously going through this life as an experiment of, let me try this because I'm struggling with this. Let me see how this is yeah. working. Oh, that didn't work so well. Let me try to figure out why that didn't work so well. What, what kind of tweak yeah. can I make to see if that can improve a little bit? Okay, so that kind of worked. Where else can I apply that? Instead of yeah. like saying, oh, that's another thing that didn't work. I, I can't do this. You know, and I, yeah. so I think that, that that's why I really like that the, the length of the time. It's, it's like hard, it's long enough where it starts to feel like you got to push a little bit through the, this is no longer I new. I guess. I, I, I'll say that in my experience, um, I want more, right? It's not long enough. Yeah. Uh, and it's also, I think because of the way I, you know, I have my own business, I create my own schedule. So I have very few routines in my day and having this appointment with this tribe that I so dig three times a week at 9am for me. Uh, I love the consistency of it and it launches me into my, into my day in such a, like, it's not uncommon for me to come and not have done my homework or to be in some, you know, um, difficult place of, ugh, my motivation's down. I screwed this up. I feel right. But that it's, it's, it feels like that's part of my accountability is to go and just be, uh, you know, transparent about that and then realize that, you know, I get some encouragement or I get to then uh, kind of move through that because I, instead of sitting and continuing to beat myself up about it and then blow off the group because I can't show up until I'm ready to, you know, look ship shape. Like there's an already an agreement that we're not here. To, we're here because we're not feeling ship shape. Right. So, so, and, and, to see other people's not ship shapeness look so great on them. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> okay. Like you say, you know, I'm so sorry. I was 15 minutes late. I go, thank you. Love that about you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's funny. To, it's, yeah. it's amazing to me when we share the thing that we're feeling the most amount of shame about how mm-hmm. it like, it frees up this mental space that allows us to actually then move forward and making progress in that particular area. Yeah. You know, I was, yeah. I was sharing uh, uh, with, with the group that I was going like, well, I originally said it was like about two weeks or so that I like, you know, that, that planning book that I, you know, talked to you guys about and how I plan, like, I haven't touched it in two weeks. And I, so I was talking about that for like two weeks, how I haven't been planning. And like, that's a big core of yeah. like how I do what I do is how important planning is for me. And then, yeah. so I shared that with, with both, both uh, groups. And I also share that with my, my uh, personal coach. And it was like after sharing that with like a multiple people who like I feel have earned their right to hear that, and now everyone listening as well, um, it like it unlocked something in me, and I you know it, yeah. I, I had been looking for a new tool because my needs are kind of adjusting as I'm building a team, and I'm like you know yeah. what, let me just go back because when I've been in this place before, or I've been looking for the tool and I haven't found it, what has worked is just to go back to the basics and just mm-hmm. pick back up 
where I left off with what was working. And I did that. And I had like a, uh, that Wednesday study hall, I had like four hours of, of basically planning like the whole day. And it was probably the, the next two days that followed were probably some of the most productive days that I had. Ooh. I mean, it was, it was Ooh. so amazing. You know, wow. and, and I shared that because it's like, here I am as like, I'm, I'm, I'm the third person coach and this is, I'm the expert. It's like, but I'm, I'm as ADHD as they come. Right. It's like, I, I know <laughs> what to do and I'm inconsistent. It's like, I, yeah, 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 yeah. And I just know how powerful, like where I don't even do that much individual coaching anymore because the group dynamic, there's something that happens in group mm-hmm. that you cannot Absolutely. get in individual coaching. That is so true. And that's, that's one of the, I mean, I know that because I've, I've been in uh, other kinds of groups. I know the power of the group, but this kind of consistent group around this particular issue for me, I mean, the shame-free conversations about things like medication and sleep and food and, uh, you know, uh, relationship that happen uh, in, uh, you know, moments in the group and then the Facebook group, which is alive and kicking. Uh, it's the only Facebook group I've ever been involved in that I uh, actually feel connected to. That's very telling for me. Um, yeah, to be able to just uh, um, be understood so quickly. And the fact that you are in in the mix as well, that A, you're teaching what you need to learn. Uh, which I think all great teachers do. And also Mm -hmm. you are 10 steps ahead of us down the road. And so, you know, the territory better than us and you bravely say, "Uh, I just fell into this pothole. There's a pothole here. You guys (laughs) be cool. There's a pothole. Ouch. Uh, For me, it's very, (laughs) (laughs) nobody panic. I'm climbing out. Um, and, and then the way I, I find, I love the way you skillfully uh, incorporate the emotional stuff, right? That, that you know, your, your Brene Brown work, I think, is completely well aligned and relevant. And, you know, what is it? Because like I said, for me, it's the stories about my own experience of myself, the emotional content that feels the most damaging. Like, hooray if my files get into order. But that's a much less uh, relevant um healing that needs to happen than my uh, acceptance of the fact that I drop ball sometimes and I still get to, you know, walk the world as a person who uh, deserves to be here. Right. That like what it does for my self-esteem and my, um, and that's very Sari Solden too, of like uh, there's some self-esteem damage to those of us who came up with ADD diagnosed or undiagnosed. So uh, you, you move us in and out of, you know, it could be so easy for us to go down a, a rabbit hole of, of sadness for the full hour, but it's like you acknowledge the sadness and then you uh, bring in some practical skills around it and some, so it's, it's both practical and, uh, you know, uh, heart led. Like it's, there's, mm. there's heart and tactics and that really matters to me. Right. I like that description because it's, I'm always trying to be very cognizant of this isn't a therapy group. Right. But it's like so much right. of the work. It's like, where is that line? And, and it's, you know, yeah. it, and as a, as a licensed trained therapist, I have to be very kind of cautious and conscious 
of of that. Um, not always an easy thing but, to yeah, do. Yeah, but the idea of being able to talk about my lateness without the feeling that's associated to it or with it, that's a, it's an arbitrary lot. Like I couldn't, right. I couldn't. It seems weird no. to think about that. Right. My struggles by, you know, uh, <laughs> my, my expired driver's license is as much about it as my expired driver's license as it is about my shame about not knowing that I have an expired driver's license. So, so it, they're both there. And to do one without the other would be, um, well, unnatural. I think yeah, that the thing that work. came to, to mind for me would be ab- as about as helpful as the recommendation for someone who was uh, having a hard time getting things done is, uh, oh, why don't you just write it down? Oh, my God. Have you thought of using a calendar? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you want to lose weight? Okay, here's what you should do. <laughs> Get a lot of exercise and eat much less. Oh, thank you. Oh, is that? Oh, I thought it was all Cheetos and Netflix. I must have been doing it wrong. Yeah. And people are so loving. I mean, they're saying it because it seems that easy for them, mm-hmm. which actually circling back to this idea of help. Uh, I feel like getting the right help. It, for me, it's not so much a financial question. It's what is the help, like who can help me? Who can climb into this swirl with me and I can feel not judged by and uh, you can get it uh, in a way that feels uh, useful and we can, um, yeah, I think finding the right help, like finding people who like coaches or certainly coaches, but, um, you know, assistants or accountants or uh any role in my life that I need help with who have some understanding and respect for ADD. Yeah. So Rachel, let's see this. Um, I know we're going to towards the end of our, our time here. Um, and thank you for, for everything that you shared, but I don't want to let you go before you talk a little bit more about improv and what you do professionally and how people can kind of find out what you do. So take as much time yeah. as you have to talk about the okay. magical world of improv that, that you uh, create and, uh, and um, even talking about the, the podcast that you are starting here. Yeah. So when I was a freshman in college, having been an actor kid, uh, an improv group came to my dorm to do a show. And within about 10 minutes of that show, I was just, just wanting to get up and join them. Like there was something so primal about what they were doing, which was essentially playing with their, uh, you know, uh, storytelling and um, gaming with their minds. And it was so, it looked like a really fun challenge and it looked, it was really funny. And that was always something I'd, you know, still something I'd, I love being a part of. And so improv pulled me in hook, line and sinker when I was 18 and, uh, and I've been doing it ever since. And the way that I've been improvising, so as I was mentioning, I used to be very much in the showbiz world and working as a, uh, or trying to work as much as possible as a professional actor uh, and improviser in Chicago and then in LA and continually finding myself back in small scale live uh, black box improv shows. So maybe hundred person seats and anything from, 
two to six people on stage, two to six improvisers. And we just get a suggestion and we do what's called long form improv where we just go and it can take many forms. Sometimes it's one big one act play. Sometimes it's multiple scenes overlapping that uh, sort of give us the first entry into a world. And then at any point we may reenter that world by just editing the previous scene and taking us to the next beat of that original scene. And so it's this, like, it feels like my brain is, um, I'm thinking about, I think the word is a Van der Graaff generator. I didn't really pay attention to science in high school, but that big orb where there's just a lot of lightning going on in it. Mm -hmm. That's what my brain feels like. It just feels lit. The plasma ball. The the, the plasma ball? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that what that is? I think they also, I don't know. I think they also sold it for parties at Spencer gifts. Yeah. Anyway, so like a, like a ball of, uh, yeah. It's electricity that you put your, your fingers on it and it will attract to where your fingers are. Right. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, that. Yeah. Yes. I, I often use nice. it as an analogy for attention. Okay. Cool. So with the plasma ball uh, analogy, improv feels like I get to use my whole, not just my brain, but my being, because I'm moving in and out of characters. So I'm I'm taking on totally different points of view. I'm. Uh, behaving in wildly different ways, the variety of it, the discovery of it, the, uh, and I feel completely at ease. I've done it a long time now, but I feel completely at ease not knowing what's going to happen next, partly because I'm a hundred percent certain I'll find something. Like it's always something that I never run out, right? It's this, this, um, the idea flow that can feel somewhat burdensome sometimes in real life. Uh, cause the ideas just keep flowing. Uh, and I have to, you know, pull over and do audio notes or scribble into the, you know, stop my downward dog in the middle of yoga class and run over and write down my idea for the new show I want to do or for the song lyric I just wrote. Like my creativity is, is often, uh, in flow and in, in all the time, but in, in improv, it's, um, uh, that's what allows me to just relax into it and do it. And so the things that I, you know, in, in such an ADD way where the things that might be really simple for someone else, I think, I think the, when, when I go, um, the, the way that I employ the, well, why don't you just, for me, that's like, well, why don't you just jump into that character and tell your point of view and uh, create a whole world around that? Like, what's the problem? So uh, really uh, easeful um with being on the spot mm-hmm. and um, I love bringing that to other people. So that's what I love. So, so now I'm largely, uh, I, I perform uh, and I teach even more than I perform. And part of what I love about the teaching is giving people this permission to just flow, right? It's actually teaching improv can be more about removing obstacles than it is about learning anything, right? To, mm-hmm. to let, you know, whatever that means, permission to play someone very different than yourself. So uh, I can't play bossy. I've spent my whole life trying not to be bossy and like removing the the barriers to letting that person be the bossiest person ever in a scene is really fun. It feels like freedom. It feels like breaking through the sort of scrunched up version of, you know, permission of who a person's allowed to be according to their own upbringing or culture or whatever. So Mm -hmm. it's, um, 
And what it does is uh, because improv is also about agreement and about acceptance, right? You have to agree to what your fellow players have offered because we're making it up. So that's what we do. We agree and accept in a, in a series of sort of bricks that then build the, the structure of our scene. Uh, all of that agreement and acceptance creates such an openness that improvisers meet and connect really fast, like friendships, relationships, marriages, teams that last for decades, right? There's, it's such a, a way of walking the world. I have to imagine it, that this would be so powerful, like in the, in the business world, like for, for yeah. business teams to like understand and know how to do improv, like bring that into mm-hmm. a, a creative uh, business focused uh, uh, environment. Do, do you do any yeah. of that? I do a lot of that. Yeah, I do a lot of that. I do. Um, I've, I work a lot with UCSF uh, Medical Group, which is this huge hospital medical, uh, you know, uh, entity out here in San Francisco. And so, I, you know, one day I'm working with 15 of their pharmacists to help them be more at ease with their interactions with a wide variety of humans and attitudes and um and then, you know, the next day I'm working with MDs who need some awareness about their communication with uh, patients. And so it's really, I call, I call improv, it's, it's uh, Courage Academy. Mm. It's Empathy School. Uh, you know, it's uh, Connection Camp. It's all these different, uh, what you may call soft skills, like human relational skills. Uh, with this foundation of courage, which is really the core because, um, yeah, I, I, I teach, I teach these days a lot in, um, uh, tech startups. So we're doing some presentation skills with these guys who are, you know, from all over the world, English is their second or third or fifth language. They're brilliant tech minds. And now they're being asked to present in front of large groups of people, which is not their core competency, nor have they ever done it. So working, you know, some practice, right? Just like the gym of getting into there and just playing with that. And I remember this one guy recently, he'd been very quiet throughout his presentation. I kept asking him to speak up and using techniques to, uh, you know, expand his range and, and play with getting like what will allow him, uh, to raise his volume and, uh, he came up to me afterwards and he said, uh, when he speaks in English, he's quieter and he slows down. But when he's in his native tongue, Bengali, he's loud and he's fast. Huh. And the moment he said that, I all of a sudden, I just felt this connection in him that I hadn't, like I got it. And so for him, I said, you know, if you're giving a presentation, go ahead and share that with the audience beforehand. Like, let them know that... Uh, what you just told me and that courage to be transparent, you know, uh, will create a different connection with your audience and get a microphone, I, you know, explain that that's why you're using the microphone. So, so improv is it's this incredible multi-tool that both allows you to, uh, you know, he can work on being louder and more, uh, bring more presence to his English speaking. And he can uh, understand that if he has the courage to uh, stand in front of a group and tell them uh, who he is, then he's already 75% of the way there. 
Like it's, we're going to listen differently. Yeah. As you're sharing yeah. that, one of the things that came to mind when, and very naturally, I am a mumbler, but I, mm. I'll, be, I'll be sitting in the car with my wife and five times she'll say to me, what, what? Well, and it's just like, and so when I used to, when I first started uh, presenting, I, one of the things I would actually start my presentations off with is I would say, I have this, this gift of being able to ha- say an entire paragraph of thought all as one word. So if, uh, so if that happens and you're like, what did you yeah. just say? Raise your hand and, you know, just shout at me to, to slow down and to, and by doing, and I actually had, I was uh, presenting at a chat meeting, this is five or six years ago, and I was modeling some behavioral tracking and I had a, a pitch counter and I was using my own pitch counter for when I thought I mumbled. And then I had someone in the audience use a pitch counter to count how many times they couldn't understand what I had said. And it was like, just yeah. that, that awareness of it. Yeah. And, and like it's, I, I don't really mumble now when I present. Now when I'm sitting yeah. in a car with my wife, I still mumble. But in other situations where I need to be yeah. understood, I, I don't. So it was just really interesting that when you were talking about share that with people. Yeah. Yeah. It's also that like that that capacity. Uh so I started out this conversation by saying that um, you know, in the middle of really uh being able to be proud of my ADD brain because uh, I'm still sort of halfway coming out, you know, uh, uh, there's a little bit of story around that that's still being um, changed, right? That uh, sort of my old way of thinking of like, oh, I should be able to do this and clearly I'm lazy or stupid or I'm ill-equipped or all that, right? That's, that's um, you know, almost gone. And what's exciting about it is that on the other side of transparency of being able to say whatever, uh, you know, fantasies of, of having a, an, an email uh, signature that says, um, if I don't respond to your email within two days, please ping me back. It's not because I'm ignoring you. It's because I got a wicked kiss of ADD. You know, I, I, I want to read what you have to say. Like there's just freedom in letting the world know who I am. And uh, so what you're saying is like, you know, that guy or you, they, it's not that you're going to be a perfect speaker all of a sudden, but if, if actually what I want out of a, out of a presentation, the most valuable thing I can do is establish rapport, establish mm-hmm. connection with my audience. And there's nothing more connecting than, uh, you know, telling you uh, who I am legitimately because what's the alternative like i'm gonna practice my mumbling a hundred thousand times and then i'm gonna be the world's slickest presenter maybe so so i leave going oh that guy was slick and i think i liked what he had to say versus like oh i felt connected to that person he's got his own struggles i you know what's my like i think there's great healing in us admitting our own uh challenges our own being humanness, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we, you know, we're rewriting that story. I think because I think the whole idea of ADD being something that uh, we talk about. My um, a member of my family who is uh, a tenth grader now uh, has been diagnosed ADD, and I'm kind of jealous, kind of jealous because it's early. Uh, it's um, there's so much acceptance in his school around it. Mm. Um, he gets to, it just doesn't have the same, 
just doesn't have the same trigger or button or something as it as it does for me. And I'm really excited for him that he doesn't have to uh, get over that because it's not being built in in the first place. I, yeah. I think you're so close to to being you know there wherever there is and yeah and, and just so you know that the 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 stories that we tell ourselves about you know oh am i just lazy am i all stuff like rachel i tell myself those stories too yeah right yeah and so and yeah so they, and i they, think they, probably they never go, it non go away completely yeah yep 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 yeah so uh yeah, I think some of the primary tools are uh, compassion and acceptance and humor. God bless humor. If we couldn't laugh at this, uh, it'd be much more painful. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the human. Sometimes the crap that we do is just so insanely, yeah. like absurdly funny. Like if. Yeah. I... Yep. I mean, it's it's the things like, you know, it's, I think I was sharing this right at, at a client that, um, uh, so my, my worst case scenario for for new client situation is when I have two new clients that start around the same time that both happen to have the same first name. Oh yeah, this is a nightmare for me. And yeah, because <laughs> I'm I with, without fail I will mess like I will confuse some of the details. Think one person is the other person, and as I'm sitting there with this client and we were talking about some scheduling things and we made this a uh, little bit of a of a schedule change and most of the scheduling stuff is done on my website, so I'm not even involved with it. I have the system that kind of takes care of it, and so we made the schedule change in my office, and then so I said, oh, so that Thursday appointment, uh, so I should just take that off the calendar. Like, uh, yeah. But that was the different Thursday appointment. And so on that Thursday, that other client was sitting in the rating room for a half an hour and then text me while I've been sitting here in my office with the door open. I'm like working on yeah. a presentation that I'm giving the next day. And, yeah. I, and I just walk out into the waiting room and I was like, so ADHD just won today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and how did they respond? You know, I owned it. I used a humor out of it. I you know, sat with them yeah. for 20 minutes without charging them because I was like, I screw this one out. This is, this is my bad, yeah. right? Um, yeah. And what's, what's so great, though, is that those things happen so, like, I mean, that used to be the story of my life. I used to do that kind of stuff all the time. And mm -hmm. now, if, like, my quota is maybe I do that kind of stuff twice a year now. And I'm like, I do a victory lap, yeah. lap now every time I actually do that because, like, I just look at that kind of stuff. I'm like, I used to do that all the time. And now it's, just, yeah. it's, it's a blip on the radar now. And it's like, that feels yeah. awesome. I know I'm always going to have those blips on the radar. You know, it's sure. like, I, it's okay. You know, it's, it's okay. Yeah. Cause I use them for teachable yeah. moments and humility. And it's like, I, I no longer feel, I think bad about the times that I screw up because I always look at them as what can I learn from this? Cool. Nice. Nice. 99% of the time. <laughs> yeah yeah so, all right. right yeah we and, all have our blips right these are not bad blips as far as blips go anything the ADD and, blips are uh yeah are blips i could live with <laughs> anything and more everything and more. with michael murphy what tell us quickly what that what that is well so michael murphy is the founder of the esalen institute which is one of my favorite places on earth and he's uh 
a neighbor of mine and he has agreed to um, do a series of conversations with me that I'm calling anything and everything with Michael Murphy. And we're not sure what we're doing with those yet. Uh, I'm not sure if they'll be released as podcast or it's, it's, you know, we're improvising. It's, it's uh, content dependent. So if I, I also, you know, offered him to do the sort of Mark Twain thing that, uh, we can just put them in a vault to be released a hundred years from now. But, but what's exciting about it is that I've been wanting to podcast for a very long time. And when uh, Michael Murphy said he would create uh, this series of conversations with me, it got me into action about, you know, I got my new microphone and I learned the tech of how to at least, you know, capture the content on audacity. And I admitted it to my class last night that I'm podcasting. So I'm, I'm taking steps into this uh, exciting realm of having conversations uh, with uh, people I admire and want to talk to, which is maybe my favorite thing to do, right? This is my jam is to uh, chat with smart, cool people I like, like yourself. So I'm really excited about it. And uh, I don't have a place for you to go find it yet, but my website in general is rachelhamiltonimprov.com. And I teach out of San Francisco. I also teach uh, on the East Coast in New York with regularity. And then I do all kinds of customized corporate workshops um, for various clients, often often uh, private ones. But then sometimes I do uh, corporate workshops uh, called Courage Academies that are, are day-longs for non-actors who want to get some of the juice of improv um, for creativity and self-expression and presentation and courage. And you can find all of that on my website, rachelhamiltonimprov.com. I love it. And of course, all the, the those links will be in the show notes. Rachel, thank you so much for, for sharing your stories and, uh, and for you know helping everyone else here get their ADHD rewired. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you. If starting is the hardest part, finishing is a close contender. And here we are at the final stretch. And if you're new to the show, welcome to ADHD Rewired. We are more than just a podcast. We are a community focused on learning, growing, and connection. You could see a full outline of this and all other episodes with all the links and resources mentioned on today's show at ADHDrewired.com. As always, there are a number of ways you can support this podcast. Make it a mission to tell at least one person this week about the podcast. And if you're with them in person, ask them for their phone and subscribe to the podcast for them right there. If you haven't done so already, please go to iTunes or Stitcher and leave an honest rating and review. Yes, it makes a huge difference. Set a reminder so you don't forget. You think I'm kidding. I know some of you have been listening for two years. Yes, this podcast is just about coming up on its two-year anniversary. And you still haven't left a review. Seriously? Come on, send me some five-star love. And thank you. You can also help support this podcast by checking out my sponsors. I use Zoom video conferencing every day, and so can you. 
Go free or go pro. But please go to erictivers.com slash Zoom so they know that I sent you. And get a free audiobook from Audible at audibletrial.com slash ADHD Rewired. And next time you shop Amazon, use the Amazon search portal at my website. A small percentage of your purchase will go to support this show, and it doesn't cost you any extra. Get a jump start on your summer productivity. Our coaching and accountability group begins May 16th. These groups sell out fast. Go to coachingrewired.com for more information and to schedule your free screening call with me today. Do you know that I give talks and all-day workshops? If your school, business, organization, or conference planning committee is looking to hire that person to give an incredible, educational, inspirational talk on ADHD, then look no further than erictivers.com. Click on Talks at the top of the page. Don't just be a passive listener. Become an active member of the ADHD Rewired community. We're on Facebook. You can like our page, but submit your request to join our free and growing community. Watch for a message for me on Facebook because I screen everyone before they come into the group. Production support for this podcast comes from the master of mediocrity himself, Tom Nardone. Go to TomNardone.net to check out his blog, podcast, and to get a copy of his awesome personal memoir, Chasing Kites. Hey, Tom, do you have anything to add? Until next time.